And as you're turning there, uh, one night there was a man who was sitting outside his lake. And he was just admiring the scenery, admiring the view. Very quiet night in spring. And he says these words, suddenly out of the night came the sound of wild geese flying. I ran to the house and breathlessly announced the excitement I felt. What is to compare with the wild geese across the moon? It might have ended there except for the sight of our tame mallards on the pond. They heard the wild call they, once, uh, they had once known. The honking of the night sent little arrows of prompting deep into their wild yesterdays. Their wings fluttered a, f a feeble response. The urge to fly, to take their place in the sky for which God made them, was sounding in their feathered breast, but they never raised from the water. The matter had been settled long ago. The corn of the barnyard was too tempting. Now their desire to fly only made them uncomfortable. Temptation is always enjoyed at the price of losing capacity for flight. What we see with these mallards is what can happen in our own lives, in our own hearts. A changing in the very being in which God made us. In other words, church, we can lose our zeal and passion. We can lose our zeal and our passion for the things of God. And I need to say this tonight. That God has not taken that away from you. It is not God that has taken away zeal or passion. And I would even dare say that it isn't the devil that has taken away zeal and passion. But what has happened is we have gotten comfortable and we've let it go. What has happened is that at one time when we would hear the call for evangelism, that something would begin to beat inside of us. At one time when we heard about revivals, that something, a chills would come down our spines and we couldn't wait. But now, when we hear those same things, eh, just another one, just another one. But tonight, what I want to talk about is that you may have lost your zeal or your passion in this place. But you can regain it. Amen. You may have lost it. And listen to me, folks. I'm, I'm going to be real tonight. Because, you know, with all these things going on and, uh, and all stuff in the media, I'm tired of fake stuff. I'm, I'm tired of people playing around and, you know, and, and giving us candy drops and, 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 and candy corn. You hear what I'm saying? That tonight, we're going to get real tonight. Amen. Because the bottom line is if we've lost it, thank God by his grace we can regain it. But there are some things we and you are going to have to do. This is not going to come necessarily easily. And this is not going to come by waving a magic wand. So let's look at our text. Uh, the book of Hosea, chapter 10. And we're going to read verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, 
For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Let me read it again. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. I give you all the praise, glory. I give you all the glory, God. And I'm asking you as I veil myself under you, Lord, I pray, let your word go forth. And I pray, open the hearts of every person, even the hard-hearted tonight. Let it pierce, God. But I pray, God, I pray that men and women, God, would retake, would regain their passion, their zeal again. God, regaining vision here tonight. I pray, God, these things would take place. By your grace and mercy. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Regaining what God has not taken tonight. Regaining what God has not taken. Let's look at responsibility for a moment. Upon entering our text, we see that God is pointing out errors within the lives of his people. But not only that, he's also giving them an explanation about their current spiritual state as well as their natural state. In verse 13 of our text, amen, the Bible says, you have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity, you have eaten the fruit of lies because you trusted in your own way in the multitude of your mighty men. God is showing them the, that uh, the reaping and sowing is a real principle, both for the good and for the bad. That we understand, amen, that as we do good, that we can reap good. Can you say amen? But that principle still follows. If we reap bad, if we sow bad things, we're going to reap bad things. One man said it like this. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. See, God is showing them that this principle is real, but that this principle can ultimately take time. Listen to me, this is not an overnight thing. You don't overnight lose your passion. You don't overnight lose zeal. But it's time upon time, day after day, and even year after year. And listen to me, but eventually it will show itself. And I would also like to point out that God doesn't say that I will give you this or I will give you that. But he tells them, you must do something to regain what seems to be lost. So for yourselves, righteousness, break up your fallow ground. Often we think that if we just pray hard enough that it will all come back. Now I'm not against prayer. But the problem is, amen, we'll do all this praying and do no action. We'll ask people from, you know, uh, who knows how many fingerprints are on your forehead. Because we'll ask everybody in the church to pray for us. But yet, amen, when it comes down to it, God is saying, there's some things you're going to have to do. Ultimately, church, we need to take responsibility. See, in our nation today, in this generation, nobody wants to take responsibility for what they have done. And we want to blame everybody else. I don't know how many times I've been blamed for somebody else's sin. Well, if you had just preached that day on the, I would do what? If I had just preached on it on the day you did it? You know, if you guys had just seen me 
It's been 30 years. I mean, well, how many times? Do... You understand what I'm saying? That we don't want to take responsibility. We always want to blame somebody else, something else. It's always the church. It's always the pastor. It's always the congregant. It's always one of the leaders. It's always somebody else. It's always the song service. It's the drummer. He's, he's not good enough. And he's not, but we can, we can walk past that. But you understand what I'm saying, that too often we don't take responsibility for why we're losing it. When is the last time when we felt like we were losing zeal and passion that we looked in the mirror and said, it's not pastor, it's not the church, it's not that the Holy Ghost isn't in the house of God, it's me. It's, it's something going on in my heart and in my mind. It's something I have let in. And God is showing his people, this is you, this isn't me. He is showing them, you're going to take responsibility for this. See, church, listen to me. You can gain it back, but sometimes we think God will just wave his hand over us, and all of a sudden, we're just back to what we were. But see, God is telling you, you must begin to do something. Because of what has been taken in by you, God is showing them parts of this must be worked out by you. You're the one who took it in. You're the one who opened that door. And too often, how many times we say, God, close the door. God, close the door. God, close this door. Close this door. But the bottle of Hennessy is in the fridge. What door is he going to close? What, what door is he closing? God closed this door. Man. Close this door. And all this, but the stuff that we're asking to close the door on is sitting there and we're doing nothing with it. Something's got to be worked out by you. You got to decide to be loving towards your spouse. Thank God for that sermon that pastor preached on marriage. Thank God for it. And I hope some of you listen. But guess what? Pastor didn't show up at every, every married person's door and say, hey, listen. Uh, right? You're applying? Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. He didn't go to everybody's door. Because there's something you got to work out. He preached it from the word of God. The word of God goes forth. But guess what? We got to do something. Can I tell you, church, that every decision is a seed leading to a tree. You know what's instant? I had a tree in my backyard. The tree was massive, and the roots, I mean, man, roots, you don't realize how thick roots are until you start trying to dig them out and trying to, you know, break them and stuff. You're like, man, these roots is thick. I mean, I had roots going to my patio. It broke up a piece of my patio. I'm like, man, these roots are everywhere, tripping over roots, all this. I mean, this stuff goes deep from one little seed, though. One little seed causing me all this issue. Listen to me, folks. Every decision you make is a tree. That's going to be in your garden that one day you're going to have to deal with. God told them, you have plowed iniquity. Oh, you have plowed wickedness, and now you're reaping what you have plowed. Why are we surprised? I never understood this. You do wrong, and then you're like, man, what happened? What happened? 
was just one drink. Okay? I just, I just did it one time. Why are you surprised? Reaping and sowing is a real principle. See, if you find yourself lacking drive for Christ and a love for his word, if you find yourself lacking a yearning for his righteousness, the question must be asked, folks, what have I planted? Philippians 2 and 12, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, not as in my uh, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There will be a time where you and I have to work out what has been planted because what has been planted is causing destruction. In regards to your zeal, in regards to your faithfulness, so listen to me, you got to ask yourself, if I'm not faithful anymore, if, I'm, if I don't have the same passion, if everybody keeps coming up to me and saying, what happened to you? Then I got to look at that and go, what's happening? I got to deal with that. Can you say amen? The bottom line is that church, if you plant apple seeds, you make apples. Now you may have a green one. You may have a reddish one. You may even have a brown one, depending on how long it's been time since it's been watered. But the bottom line is that, guess what? It's still an apple. And it's still going to grow. See, we have to understand this. Amen. What are we planting in our lives? You can plant pride. Arrogance. Indifference. The plant of rebellion. Witchcraft. And these, all these seeds begin to come, become trees in your garden. See, God in our text wants them to see their responsibility. That God didn't take it away, nor did anyone else, but they exchanged it for evil. If you are going to regain desire for Christ, passion for Christ, purpose again, amen, you must first, before anything else, take responsibility. It's nobody else because I'm the one that controls my behavior. I tell my children all the time, when it comes to behavior, that's on you. You can't control what everybody else does around you, but you can control your behavior. Take responsibility. And that's exactly what repentance is. It's saying, God, it's me. Repentance is saying, it's my fault, it's me, it's my sin, it's what I have done, it's what I've created, it's me, Lord. Psalms 51.2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Let's look secondly, let's get back on track. God gives his people hope, can you say Amen. It is possible to regain that intensity for Christ. That love that compelled you, amen, where you dare not miss an outreach. Where you dare not miss a service. Where it was always about the kingdom. Where it was always about what can I do? How can I be a servant? Where can I go? Pastor, send me. You can gain that back. So how? Well, God tells them 
Number one, reformation. He tells them, break up the fallow ground. You must first till your heart and mind. A tiller digs into the ground to not only break up the hardened ground, but the impacted ground. You got to think in this time you had cattle and horses and all types of animals. And what happens when they're walking on that ground? They're packing it in and packing it in and packing it in. And it becomes so smushed together that it becomes hardened. And how many know there are things in our lives that, crowd, that cause our ground to be impacted? Amen. We feel like we're being pressed upon constantly. And it hardens our hearts. It hardens our minds. But you and I have to be willing to take the spiritual tiller and begin to break the ground up. Start breaking, not leaving it there going, oh, well, but start breaking it up again. Start getting radical again. Have you, I don't know if you guys know this. I just learned this too, right? Radical Christianity is just Christianity. Did you know that? Did you know that? That there's no difference between Christianity and radical Christianity. That radical Christianity is Christianity. You already knew that. Okay, praise God. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad. I was making sure. So guess what? When that hardening, you have to become radical. That you're going to have to do something that's... Out. Listen, okay, for instance, if you're used to sitting home on Saturday, come to outreach. If, you, if you're used to not praying, come pray. Like... The, I know, it's simple, I know. I'm a simple dude, I'm sorry. But that's what it is, it's like, I'm just, I just can't do it. Especially when somebody goes, I'll pick you up. Oh, well, you know it. Break up the fallow ground, man. Break it up, that's how you're going to do it. It's by doing what you're not used to doing. Stop talking about fasting and break up the fallow ground and start fasting. Put away the cookies, man. Drink the water. Break up the fallow ground and stop looking at it going, man, that ground sure is hard. Look at that ground. I wish I could just, and the tiller's sitting right there. You just, well, if I could just, I wish I could just turn it and just, you can. Listen to me. You're not that far gone. As long as there's breath and blood, man, you can be restored. Can somebody shout amen? God says you need to be reformed. Break it up. Stop being what you've always been. This is just how I am. And that's just how you're going to stay. He's telling them, break it up. Stir it. A few years ago, the article goes, when an archaeologist began excavating in the courtyard of a medieval monastery. They found seeds that had been dormant for more than 400 years that had began to grow. King Henry VIII had closed the monastery in 1539, and herbs tended by the monks died, but they sprouted to life again after the archaeologists disturbed the earth. 400 years of dormancy, 400 years of not growing, 400 years of not doing anything. And what did it take for these seeds to grow again? Breaking up the ground. I'm going to talk to this side. Y'all listen to me. 
breaking up the ground cause 400-year-old seeds to grow. Stop telling me that you can't ever again. I can never get back to street preaching again. I can never get, no, that's a lie. Can you say amen? You just got to disturb your ground. Or have somebody else do it for you. Yeah, we don't know. No, don't touch my ground. Uh, we get closer to Tiller. You're like, what are you doing? Pastor come with the shovel like, hey. Uh, uh, hey. No, I, I'll do it. I get it. I'll do it. Second Timothy 1 and 6. Therefore, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Did you hear what Paul just told Timothy? Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What did he tell Timothy? You do it. Stir it up. It's there. You stir it up, Timothy. Breaking the fallow ground means removing stones and weeds, but it also means to acknowledge that I'm hardened. In other words, it's humbling because you realize what you are as opposed to what you think you are. And you're going to have to start breaking those ideas that have culminated in your mind. You have to start breaking up those ideologies that all of a sudden because you watch so much YouTube that you didn't got now. Huh? How come whenever we talk about YouTube, y'all get quiet? Like, you know, YouTube. Don't you be talking about my YouTube, man. Okay, I got a lot of good information from YouTube. And that's true. I give you that. I get information. But you know what? Sometimes we build these ideologies that ain't true. <laughs> Did you know Paul had a big nose? How do you know that? Man, it's YouTube, man. You got to watch this video, man. Like, who cares? Yeah, man, he had a size 10 foot, too, man. It was a big sandal. Like, what? what? How did you know that? You just got to look in the scriptures, bro. Like, no, you're looking on YouTube, man. You better stop playing. <laughs> you got to break those ideologies up, man. The second thing he tells them to do, repent. Sow for yourselves righteousness. To repent is to have a change of mind towards evil, towards unrighteousness. And then a mind, then the mind and heart, they are changed to living out righteousness. See, listen to me. Repentance is not just saying, God, forgive me. Repentance is not just saying, God, forgive me, please, you know, you know have mercy. That's not what repentance is saying. I'm turning this way now. I was going this way, and now I, it's a conscious decision based upon the word of God that I need to follow what God has said. He says you need to repent to practice what God has said to do. James 4 and 16, but now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You know why this scripture stands out? Because he's not just talking about the big sins that we, you know, always, you know, fornication, drinking, drugs, and different things. He said, no, no, no. If you know to do right and you don't do it, to you, that is sin. If you know you should be here and you're not, sin. 
If you know that you should be involved and you're not, sin. Because to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. And he's telling them, you better get that mindset. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Listen to me, folks. Most of the time, and, I, and I'll give you about 4% of the time, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. I'll give you 4%. But spiritually speaking, 96% of the time, you know exactly what you need to be doing. The question is, will you do it? It's not rocket science often. Again, I go back to YouTube. We want the deep revelation. Some of y'all just can't wait to get to YouTube tonight. I'm going to check what he said. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because the guy I listened to, he was like, the fallow ground actually means the sky. Need to repent, man. Start tor turning towards Christ. That's it. You make the decision. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live for God. Not just one day, church, but every day. Because every day you say yes to God is another seed, is another planted righteous seed. Can you say amen? And remember what I said earlier, that seed grows into a tree. We want the good tree in our gardens. Can you say amen? We want the righteous tree, the Christian trees, the fruitful trees. Whether that be witnessing, whether that's private worship, corporate worship, involvement in the local body, these are seeds that must be sown. And this is part of repentance, turning away from what my flesh wants to do and going towards what my spirit needs to do. And too often we make excuses for our flesh. I work. I'm tired. I got kids. Well, join the stinking club, man. How many in here work and have kids? I mean, my gosh, you act like you're alone. I work. I got kids. I got this. I got that. Yeah. That's what makes it fun. That's what makes it enjoy. That's what makes the challenge. That's what makes it that you can bring your family along. That's what makes it that your kids can see. That's what makes it that your wife and your husband can see that, you know what, this is what we do. There was a preacher, he used to hold these, what he called quit, quitting revivals. His preaching was directed primarily at Christians, and he urged them to give up the sinful practices in their lives. The preacher's message was very effective, and many people promised to quit swearing, drinking, smoking, lying, gossiping, or anything else that was displeasing to the Lord. On one occasion, Joan, uh, this preacher asked a woman, just what is it that you're quitting? She uh, and she replied, I'm guilty of not doing something, and I'm going to quit doing that. Even though she had no bad habits to give up, she wasn't actively living to please God. In other words, I'm going to quit quitting. I'm going to quit quitting and do right. If I can, as I'm, I'm closing here, but if I could talk to some of you. Listen, stop letting the roadblock kill you. Stop quitting at the moment you feel that adversity and you feel that push. 
Because right on the other side of that is promise. Right on the other side of that is miracle. Right on the other side of that is God's grace. Right on the other side of that is all the things that you may have been praying for. All the things you've been asking God on the side of that. But man, the minute you quit, you'll never know. I tell my boys all the time, oh, there's no quitters in this house. Don't you ever say that word in front of me. You better use another term. I, I quit. You did what? You did what? Did you ever quit? My wife, we were wrestling one day. What? What? Some of y'all need to wrestle. <laughs> we were wrestling one day. Playful wrestling, you know, just, you know. Because you know, you know how strong I am, so I'm just going to, you know. Stop it, girl, you know, just, you know. So we're wrestling. And I get her, so I get her down, boom. Okay, I got to, let me, so everybody can see it. So I get her down, boom. So she's face down. And I got the arm behind. Right? Instant tap. Arms here, 90 degree, right elbow. I'm like, give up. She's like, no. You city little bug, you. Okay, let me put, so I push the arm up a little bit. Because, you know, now as you go up, as the hand goes towards the head, that starts to hurt. So I go up a little bit. She's like, no. I'm like, you serious? Okay, well, fine. So I go up a little more. And she's like, I'm not going to quit. I said, you are willing for me to break your arm rather than quit? I said, girl, I love you. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I need in my life. Get that arm broken. <laughs> I ain't quit. No, you just break it. I was like, man. That way, she hey, Carl. So, so let's move on to prayer. So you got to pray. He says, for it is time to seek the Lord. Prayer is intricate in your life. To seek the Lord is to pray. Listen to me. Not just a couple of words, but just a deep intensity of prayer and saying, God, help me. God, what is it? This type of prayer does not take three minutes. Now, again, folks, I'm not saying that hours will do it either. But oftentimes, listen to me, in our prayer clauses, we can't just say, you know what? I'm going to just try for 15 minutes. If I don't hear nothing, then I'm leaving. But if we're trying to regain and we're trying to get back, amen, we need to spend time with God in prayer. This is what amazes me. Like, how come people don't go to more in prayer? I don't understand that. Like, bro, if I don't show up, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to pray in this vacant apartment. Because if I do this without prayer, it's going to be really bad. Like, I'm not, no, I got to get up. I got to pray. I got too much going on. I got a family. God, I, even my, my flesh, my Lord. I got stuff. I'm trying to gain dominion with each day, not lose it. He says, start praying. When you come here, pray. Listen to me. Okay, you know what? You say, you know what, Pastor? I got to be at work at 3 in the morning. Okay, you got to be at work at 3 in the morning. See, me tell me you can't come here in the afternoon? Like, you just can't come here at all. You just, just can't come here at all. Because there's something different about getting up, getting out of your house, driving, and coming to a hot, empty building and praying. 
Pastor will tell you something different about, right? People get, you know what I'm talking about. You'd be like, whoop, Father, right now. That sweat dripping, you're like, God, yes, the Holy Ghost. You, I mean, you start, you trying to pray away the sweat. But do you understand what I'm saying? Is that we too often, we're trying to get back, but as we're trying to get back, we're making excuses. Like, listen, fine, you say, you know what, the morning's just, okay, well, get, get, get here. Make it a point. I'm going to be, I'm going to pray at the church. I'm going to get out of the comfort zone. It means to labor, man. Prayer sometimes is labor. It's struggle at times. But that's part of breakthrough. You ever thought about the word breakthrough? If it was easy, why would you need to break? If it was simple, why, would, why isn't it called simple through? Easy through. Not difficult through. No, it's called break. You got to break things. And oftentimes, amen, yes, counseling sessions will help. And advice from and brothers and sisters in Christ will definitely, I'm not saying those things don't help. But you know who ultimately is better than all those? God. He's better than all those things. So I'm not saying not to talk to people, but what I'm saying is, are you talking to God? Maybe that's the missing dimension from your life. Are you fighting in prayer, folks? Romans 15 and 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the Spirit of, and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers. To God for me, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Here again, Paul is saying, pray with me, man. Listen to me. I, I can ask for a lot of things, but what I'm asking for is you to join with me in prayer so I can break through. Amen. Who's your prayer partner? Who, who's the person you say, man, no, pray for me, bro. Pray with me. Yeah. I need help, man. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm losing it. Will you pray with me? Let's look at the latter rain. Any farmer will tell you that before rain comes, you plant first. As Christians, I think sometimes we got it backwards. I think we're waiting for God to rain, then we plant. Getting back on track means before you can ever see it, you start planting it. Before you can ever, listen to me, you know, we, we, sometimes we go too far. I tell guys, listen to me, stop going that far. Well, what about this? And what if this happens? Uh, can you just take the first step? Like before we get to the 10th step, take the first one. Start off by doing right that day. And then build upon that day. And there, amen, he says, till he comes and rains righteousness on you, our text says. So think about this. What God is telling them is that, you know what, you need to repent. You need to break up the fallow ground. And as you move in that arena, God is going to reign. God is going to help. God is going to begin to do something inside you. And it is there, amen, that that spirit can be revived again. Can you say amen? It is there. We can be set back on fire like we once were when we start planting again. When we do it in faith first. 
so that it comes to fruition. Church, it's not over for you. Listen to me, folks. Listen to me. Listen to me. Stop talking yourself out of it. It's not over. While there's breath and blood, there's a chance for restoration. And some of you, I can feel it. You feel like you lost it. Now you feel like I'm just here. But let me tell you something. You're not supposed to be just here. You're supposed to be putting a hand to whatever plow God has called you to. And sometimes it's us. We, well, you know, I got this. Night. No, 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 no. Let's break all that up. Let's break it all up. Let's turn our minds back to the things of God, man. Listen to me. I'm not saying that you got to be the next evangelist or the next preacher. Just be what God has called you to be. Just do that. Some of you in here, I got, you know, I got a picture from 20, I think it's 2015 when Pastor Gafford was here. And in this picture, there's a group of men standing up saying they're called to preach. And as I'm looking through this picture, you know, some have gone on, some have left, blah, blah, blah. But then I start looking, I'm saying, wait, he's still here. He's still here. He's still here. And I'm like, well, when I made that cold call to preach, these dudes didn't stand up. But why are they here standing up and not here? What happened? Then I start going into the archives, and I'm seeing plays that we did when, when, you know, in 2013 and 2014. And I'm going, man, look at all these plays. Why are they doing nothing now? Can I be real with you? Listen, listen, folks, I know you don't lie. It's fine. I love you. And somebody told me that if you love somebody, tell them the truth. Amen. And that is a question that has to be asked. How come we're not doing what we used to do? That's a question. That's a valid question. If we were called to do it before, what, what changed? Because God doesn't change. So what's changed? Maybe it's been us. And tonight we should say, you know what, God, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. No, 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 no. What you, what you had me doing before, I'm going back to that. The ministry you had me doing before, I'm going back to that. I refuse to let myself defeat myself. I refuse to be hardened here and just feel like I'm just sitting here. I need to be involved. Tonight, church, listen to me. Don't condemn yourself. This, is, this isn't a condemning. Go home and cry about what you are. This is a, at my seat, at the altar, I'm going to get things right. And starting when I get up from that altar and we close in prayer, I'm back on track. I'm going to push. I'm going to fight. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. Whatever it needs to be, I'm going to be accountable. It doesn't matter. I'm going after it. And that is that. Can somebody shout amen? amen? Because that's what we need in this day and hour. We need men and women to get back to what they were doing. Not men and women dropping out. You can be restored, folks. You can be restored. He's telling his people, this is how you do it. Let's bow our heads. God did not leave them to their own devices. He didn't leave them 